0: Welcome to the Cars Guide Garage. I'm James, and with me are Matt, G'day, and Tom. Yo. This week we'll take a look at little Hondas, being Mm -hmm. under the stars in reasonably priced cars, (laughs) and automotive wankery on a grand scale. So stay with us. But first, Musk watch. So, okay, big week. This yes. week, the deer leader got into a Twitter fight with tech center, tech crunch writer, Drew Olonoff, who uses the handle at Yoda, about whether he actually cried during the New York Times interview we mentioned last week. So, uh, Elon was at pains to point out that he, he didn't cry, no tears, no, no, no tears, right. no tears. No tears? He actually said, oh, he cracked once, and that was it. So the New York Times immediately just responded by saying, "Mm, we don't agree, you were actually pretty (laughs) emotional, and there was more than that. So Olenov, a.k.a. at Yoda, uh, called him out on Twitter and said, look, your new dedication to truth and facts would have been wonderful if applied to that time, you called someone a pedo. (laughs) Um, So then Elon said in response that it's strange that Vernon Unsworth, who's the person in question, hadn't sued him, implying that it's up to the innocent party to prove that a juvenile petulant smear, and they're my words, um, isn't true. Right. So it turns out that actually uh, Unsworth's lawyer sent Musk a letter dated August 6th threatening a libel suit if the Tesla CEO didn't correct the record, ah. which just might explain uh, the subsequent apology that was forthcoming <laughs> How? from Musk.
1: Bizarre Musk this if you were trying to explain this to someone who lived fifty years ago mm. oh, this this you know billionaire yeah. who invents cars yeah. has gotten into an argument on a platform where you can only have 160 <laughs> characters with
0: someone called Yoda. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> what in the Yoda cage fight Musk then doubled down and said, Look, answer the question, Yoda. You brought it up, not me. Did you investigate or not? If so, what did you actually do? So, Mm. what he's saying is, he's asking if this journal investigated whether Unsworth was actually a pedophile. Mm. So, you know, in Elon's world, you're guilty until proven innocent, clearly.
1: And also, you know, journalists are his personal army of investigators. He he doesn't
0: doesn't like them. Yeah. So, the taking Tesla private thing is still causing headaches because Elon's now saying that won't be the case. So, the funding secured Twitter comment is problematic. Mm -hmm. Um, And a tweet he sent in May inferring that Tesla employees would lose their company stock and options if they joined the United Auto Workers Union has led to complaints filed by the National Labor Relations Board that he's violated federal labor laws. Elon, just put the phone down. Put the (laughs) phone down. Log out of Twitter and get off it. The guy cannot help himself. There would be so many people you would hope saying don't do this, don't do this, it's all bad, it's all bad. And it's like he's addicted to it, he can't stop, he can't stop.
2: I'm kind of looking forward to the day when Tesla might disappear and we have to stop talking about it. (laughs) Well, look,
0: uh, speaking of disappearing, the Bloomberg Model 3 production tracker dropped to 4,588 this week, so that's after three weeks in a row above 5,000. Slight backward step on the old, uh, you know, the wedding marquee. They've been pushing it hard. but <laughs>
2: Must have been windy It's not happening. last couple of days. Yeah, it could have been, though, getting the pigs <laughs> th- back in. I think the...
0: maybe
1: sitting above 5,000 led to a few uh, cars with unfortunate mistakes. Yeah, that's them. right. Yeah, yeah. We yeah.
0: talked about the uh, three-door card mm. plus one uh, episode. And the bumpers falling and off. And the bumpers falling <laughs> off. But what's a couple of bumpers between friends? Yeah. Matt. Yes. Moving on to yeah. your good self. This week, you've been driving Hondas. What's the story? Yeah,
2: been driving an updated Honda HRV, which doesn't look dramatically different to the model that it succeeds, but it is different in some good ways. Let me just run through. There are still four models in the range, uh, opening up with the VTI at 25 grand, yep. which is attractively priced for a, a Practical little and SUV. to
0: clarify, that's plus on roads, that's yep. not a driveway. That's price. right, yep. okay. 25 25 thereabouts, thereabouts. Yep. Uh, cool. then
2: there's the VTIS, you get a bit more kit, it's about three thousand dollars more. Yep, then there's the new RS, which mm. is a spotty version, <laughs> uh, very spotty. Yep. It's yep. it's got the biggest wheels we've seen on a HRV to date, they're 18s which is pretty large for a little car. Uh, And then there's the VTI LX, which is still at the top of the range and still gets all the good safety key, but you don't get that stuff in the lower spec models. You do get AEB, a city AEB system across the entire range now, which is a big step forward. Mm. I mean, it's not really a big step forward. It's a step forward that needed to be taken because times have changed, guys. Uh, So it's some minor changes to the styling. One of the worst media systems on the planet. Persists. It's uh, it's it's different. Oh. And it's worse. Oh. Um, so it's a seven-inch screen. Um, every model gets sat-nav built in. Okay. Which is, which is great. Yeah. Great for consumers. Yeah. Um, it's not so great when the sat-nav graphics look like they were made on a 1999 program. Wow. Mm. Uh, and there's no CarPlay. There's no Android Auto. Yeah. But there's... Honda's excellent practicality—that's the whole reason that you'd buy a HRV. It's—it's it's got a small outside and a massive inside. Somehow mm. they've managed to make yep. a, a small SUV with space that's more than a mid-sized SUV. Like mm. I reckon, there's more room in there than there is in a CX five, which
0: is always so surprising yeah. and strangely exciting when you think, <laughs> you know, wow, these people have done such an amazing job, yeah. of packaging the car. That it's really surprising, and
2: yeah. it's it's got the magic seats. If you've ever heard of magic yeah. seats, yeah, They're,
0: you, multiple one folding mechanisms. What was what was Merck's magic windscreen thing, which was actually putting the water, the the fluid jets in the wipers, uh, yeah, which.
2: Me- which was on a Commodore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry, so that magic word gets gets a run every every now and then. It does, yeah. yeah. But it was
2: the the magic seats. They allow you to basically you can flip all the seats down, and you've got fifteen, nearly fifteen hundred liters of cargo capacity, which is as much as a small van almost. And then if you put them up, you can fold the seat bases up so you can put big things across pop the plants floor. And stuff, pop yeah. plants, push bikes, that sort of right. Stuff. It's a really clever little car.
0: The, the thought that came to my mind is objects inside the cabin, if you're in a collision, there tends to be, you know, they fly around, they pick up lots of extra g-force, yes. etc. <laughs> is there any kind of accommodation of that, like a net that you the, can put in there? There
2: or? isn't, well, not built in, but I'm sure if you were savvy, you might be able you to cut able into to your it. carpet. It's just a
0: thought that occurred to me. That, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah if mm. you, you chuck the whatever it is in there mm-hmm. and you get into a bad prang, that yeah. could Go wrong. That's a fair point. I
2: mean, the same thing can be said of like any SUV. If you've got, if you don't have a uh, cargo cover in the back, there's a chance that something could happen. Yeah. And obviously, try and keep your loads
0: secure. Well, exactly. I mean, I don't know what the multiplier effect is, but Mm. the physics of it is that. I often see those mining people with their hard hat on the ledge at the back of the car, yeah. and that just becomes the odd job style top hat that <laughs> or, f- flies off there and kind of decapitates or you. Well, what
2: about that legend, Nat's What I Reckon, yeah. with, the, uh, Camry, Nat. The, yeah, Nat with the, the Camry tissue boxes? Yeah, yeah They're right. only light, but they could be heavy when they hit you in the head. Yeah. yeah so.
0: I remember famously there was a chief executive of Renault was just on his evening commute home, mm-hmm. and he was killed by the briefcase that was on the passenger seat of wow. his car. It was a slow rollover. And he shouldn't have been hurt, but the briefcase ended up hitting him wherever and he died. Wow So yeah. objects inside the car is a big deal.
1: I um I went to a speaking of the G Forces, I, I went to a motorcommor event recently where a friend of a friend of mine, yeah, we were racing sort of clapped out old cars together. And, you know, it's one of these events where you gotta do little figure eight patterns and things around cones, and you're basically pulling lots of handbrake turns, and you have to have uh, anything in the boot secured. It's one of the things they check before they let you go on the yeah, circuit, yeah. and we were talking to the guy there, and there was something loose. I think it was a tire iron or something in the back, and he said, oh, you want to want to take that out? And we were like, oh, yeah, didn't catch that, so we took it out, and he said, there was a guy uh, a few events ago yeah. who had a, a clapped-out old Datsun, and he had a tire iron in the back, and he just flew up to the first corner, pulled the handbrake on, and the thing just went straight through the bodywork and out into the field. You're <laughs> kidding. Yeah.
0: Well, I saw one on a US wow. website only, t- I think it was yesterday, where a guy had yeah. a can of WD-40 in the boot, and oh. because the battery was in the boot, um, it sprayed oil, sparked, and set the car on fire. Oh, that's not a good look. Sorry. Anyway, Matt, we digress. <laughs> yes. Continue. Yeah. Hold um,
2: so, the, the big news, obviously, is the addition of an RS model. Yep. All of them still get the same 1.8-litre four-cylinder engine. It's not fantastic, but they've reworked the CVT so it has the stepped ratio effect. So essentially, it acts more like a regular automatic now than it did before. So there's not as much of that yeah. sort of noise. Mm, you it's bet. more. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> and yeah. the feeling that goes with it. Uh, yeah, so yeah. It, it, is, it is better, no yeah. doubt about that. Yeah. But the RS model goes even further. It gets a model-specific steering and suspension tune, which actually transforms the HRV into quite a fun little car. Mm. Uh, it's got more, you know, tighter steering when you're going through corners, so it sort of feels like yeah. it's variable ratio, so it sort of adjusts to what you're doing. Um, and it's, it's got a bigger turning circle at low speeds, but it feels more connected, so it's actually
0: not Cause that bad. Because my recollection of the Civic RS driving that was that it was all all show and and not so much go. You yeah, know, that it, it looked like the boy racer thing. Yeah, different story here though. L- little bit different, yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: Okay. So and it's got the retune suspension is firmer, but it's also more controlled. So if you hit some undulating sort of offset bumps, it has a better balance to its Mm. suspension work than the regular version. So I drove the RS and the VTILX, and I found that the RS was like, you know, in terms of our ratings, it was... RS was like eight to eight and a half, where VTILX is probably like a six and a half to seven. So gotcha. there's a there's a welcome effect from doing this work. But the question is, why didn't Honda do it to all of them? Yeah, because it's riding on mm. the RS is on 18s with pretty wide tyres and low profile. I imagine on a 17 inch alloy with a slightly bigger sidewall, the ride would be perfectly adequate. Yep, uh, but apparently that's not what Honda wanted to do with the yeah. HRV. Yeah, yeah. There's also a couple of other things that they've done. Um, so the top two specs get redesigned seats, which are better bolstered and more comfortable, but the bottom two specs don't.
0: Mm. It's just right. like Yeah, I mean I suppose there's got to be some differentiation between model grades. Yeah. And what might be doable financially actually doesn't make sense in terms of, yeah. Um, what do you want to call it, the, the visual, the optics of it, you know, yeah. uh, a premium model compared to a lower one.
2: Yeah. And I think maybe the – I think we've said this a few times before, but the, the biggest issue with the HRV v is drivetrains. There's only that one petrol front-wheel drive CVT. In other markets, there's a manual. In other markets, there's a diesel. We don't get any of that. I think there's a hybrid in Japan as well. Mm. We don't get any of that stuff. Um and no all-wheel drive, no four-wheel drive, so it's really limited in terms of the right. appeal. Yep. Uh, c- when you consider other cars like the updated CX-3, which came out this week, comes with you know front-wheel drive, all-wheel you drive, diesel, petrol. You know, there's a bunch yeah. of different options you can choose from. So it's got a very specific buyer, but it hits the points for the that okay. sort of buyer really, really hard. Well, okay, so. well
0: that's an obvious strategy because. Yeah. It makes you think if it is so very space efficient and it offers a pretty decent cargo capacity as well, Yeah, um, it's different to other small uh, SUVs in that, a young family could actually consider it. You, know, yeah. you can put some baby capsules or whatever in the back and all the stuff, yep. whereas some others, you're struggling to do that. Mm-hmm. So if you had an all-wheel drive version or some other variants, you could possibly broaden the scope a little, but they've obviously been very focused in terms of who they're targeting. Yeah, yeah
2: and the Honda uh, was telling us about the CRV sales. The vast majority of them are VTIS front-wheel drive, so, front-wheel drive is where people are shopping, even in the next segment up, and so they're, they're not willing to pay the extra money. So, yep. But, I mean, then again, you look at a, a Subaru XV or the upcoming Subaru Forester, it's going to be fairly competitively priced yep. against yep. those sorts of rivals. They're both all-wheel drive only. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a horses for courses, isn't
0: okay. it? Well, speaking of horses for courses, now a word from our sponsor.
3: In 1914, two Aussie visionaries decided it was time for a new kind of car. After meeting face down on the floor of the Bridge Hotel in Nechuka, mates Ern Alcock and Horry Wheeler began working on their dream, and three years later the Winton Motor Company was born. Our founders knew Australians needed a rugged car for tough local conditions with no nonsense performance and breakthrough design. Their first production model, the 15, known to Winton enthusiasts the world over as the Mongo, was an unstoppable 15-cylinder force of nature, which set the benchmark for the wanderers, wildcats, and turbos that have followed in its illustrious wheel tracks. As Prime Minister Billy Hughes, standing next to the first Mongo, uttered those famous words, she's a Ute, Australians knew they had a winner on their hands. And 101 years later, Winton remains at the frontier of progress and performance, with the groundbreaking 2018 Winton Turbo exported to more than 100 countries. We think Ern and Horry would approve. The Winton Motor Company. Go Australia!
0: And of course that begs the question, look, when you talk Winton, from our point of view that means frosty. Frosty Chops, (laughs) Head of Communications and Government Relations uh, at the Winton Motor Company. And uh, government relations is the operative part of that job title yeah. uh, in the last week. We we mentioned last time around that uh, he was very tight with Malcolm Turnbull. Of course he is, but he's, uh, he's found himself on Team ScoMo. He's still down in Canberra. And some might say that's opportunism. Some might say he's just engineered the whole thing very, very nicely. So there's been a bit of chat about Scott Morrison's new 7 Series uh, com car. Mm-hmm. But watch that space because I think the parking spots on Capitol Hill will be filling up with, you know, Winton turbos. There could be some Wanderers in there as well. Um, they're, they're deals are being done as well. Have you
2: heard they... from him if he's uh, working on the uh, fuel standards lobby? Because I believe that there's a bunch of talk down there about... What's what's happening with fuel standards? Because I mean, Winton Turbo would have to run all the good stuff, wouldn't it?
3: How about
0: those swans, eh? It's, uh, it's, I, look, I don't know what you're talking about. It's, uh, okay, something may come to light in future. But Tom, yes. Uh, speaking of things coming to light, you've been out going bush. You've gone all crafty on us, and uh, yeah, you've been out there. What have you been driving? And where did you go?
1: All right. So last week I was driving a Kia Sportage SLI, uh, and that's so that's about. Uh, Like halfway up the range, kind of. You've got the SI at the bottom, Mm -hmm. the SI Premium, SLI, and then there's the GT line above it. Uh, I took it on a bit of a a trip to see whether, is it just a glorified hatchback that someone's put in Photoshop and stretched out, or (laughs) is it something a bit more substantial. So I took it uh, on a 400-kilometre camping trip from uh, here in Sydney to uh, the Wolgan Valley, just past Blue Mountains. And, uh, yeah, so we went camping in there. We we're-, were out there for a night. We were thinking of making it too, but it was the rain was kind of nasty, so... Uh, uh, fair enough. Turned it back in. Um, Soft. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I mean, there was that as well. Uh, the original plan was actually to take it on a bit of a, a heavier track, take it, uh, so up, up near zigzag, there's a little, like, four-wheel drive trail entrance that, uh, we've been on before. Yep. Um, and uh, given the rain, we thought it might have been a bit sort of sketchy Are they like to take
0: forestry a, roads or, or open public roads? It's, it's an
1: open public road. yeah. Um, but it's sort of, it's kind of, You kind of want at least all-wheel drive to go up there, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Uh, You could probably make it into two-wheel drive in the dry, almost certainly, uh, which is what the original plan was. But given the forecast was so rainy, we thought, oh, better not. And that's the thing with this car. It's it's front-wheel drive. You get a two-litre petrol engine. And my feedback on it, the thing that stood out the most to me is I think Kia have pulled a bit of a sneaky on you, right? (laughs) Because you've got... on, On Matt. On 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 any, <laughs> well on, some, on on the on the just
0: more generally the general public yeah on the general public okay on, the poor old I didn't company. want to see it was victimisation <laughs>
1: <laughs> so what they've done is they they've added a, in the my eighteen update they've added a whole bunch of new safety kit which is you know great um, they've done a visual overhaul which I I think looks a bit insectoid but you know someone that'll be for someone. Um... <laughs> But one of the things they've done is they've changed the way that the the engine lineup works. So now you get the 2-litre petrol front-wheel drive in the SI, SI Premium, and SLI. But there's a bigger engine, a 2.4, that you can only get on the GT line. Right. So I found that the 2-litre, especially uphills and when you're sort of scrabbling about and you've got a lot of people in the car, it, mm-hmm. you get to that peak torque, 4,000 RPM, and it just feels like you need just a smidge more, mm-hmm. just a tiny little bit. Just a little bit would be enough. Yeah. And that's what... The uh, 2.4 offers you get, you know, 40 more torques and uh, about 60 more newton meters, uh, 60 more kilowatt or something. Um, but it's uh, maybe not 60.
0: That's a lot. Yeah, it seems like a lot. Uh it, it, you get more. You
1: get more is the point, and yeah. it's. That much more that it would just feel in the comfortable zone, you know. Yeah, it feels like it's not struggling.
2: And that two point four gets all wheel drive.
1: Yes, yeah, you get all wheel drive on the right. GT line as well. Yeah. You
0: had it chockers with stuff. Yeah, you had we had all it. the camping paraphernalia, including a camp kitchen sink, didn't you? Really? Yeah,
1: yeah, we had it loaded up, so it was already to go for two nights. You probably could have stayed more nights, but you would have needed would to put have more. Stayed two months. <laughs> yeah, <the> short <laughs> you probably would have needed more food. Um, but yeah, we had it loaded up. Uh, it, so it was a four man tent in there. There was uh, you know, four sleeping bags, there was uh, clothes, and Crossbow, h- hiking guns, equipment, all the heaps generally. legal stuff. All the things you need, yeah. Um, yeah, no, uh, so all that was in there, and it was packed just the rifles, right, it was just enough. And I think okay. that's really, you know, if you're buying an SUV and, and you think, oh, you know, can I go camping in this? Am yeah, I might butter off with this? Can I do slightly more than I could do with a hatchback? Yes, the answer is yes, you can. Okay. Um, so, if you're considering it, that's your answer. You can take it on, you know, mild off-road tracks and you
2: can load slightly more stuff in it and yep. for most people, that's all you need. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And now, on the camping topic, yeah, I'll send you a picture to put up in this as well. Uh, Honda has a camping accessory that you can right. strap to the back of your HRV or CRV. Yeah, right. It's a tent, a full tent, so you can fold the seats down in the back of the car and lay down... And have the outside area as like your living area, mate, where the tent dome is. Mate, that's old news. I I'm going
0: to I'm going to say UC <laughs> Tirana. I know Sunbird. You had the hatch hutch. I know. <laughs> okay, which was exactly the same thing off the hatch door. If anybody out there in our listening audience, a owns a UC Tirana yes. or a Sunbird, which yes. was the Backfire four Starfire four powered yeah. version <laughs> with a hatch hutch. Let us know because yes. that would be special. We want to video it. I've
1: got to say, what 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 a cool what a cool factory option though. Yeah, because yeah. like I mean, most I, I love the ones that you know aftermarket kits you can do on Land Rovers and uh, Land Cruisers and all that sort of stuff. It, they're everywhere, but mm-hmm. the fact that you can get one OEM and, you know, yeah. the seats do go flat in the back of the seat. Yeah. What was
2: it, CRV, HRV?
1: Both, yeah. Both, wow. Yep. And, well, and if the, the warranty
0: covers things. the zippers and, you know, whether you the put- floor comes unstitched or yeah, something. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, but then there's, interesting there,
2: are, there are the ones that do it as well. There's Audi Q2, Audi Q3. They've got one that inflates. Maybe we should get one and test it. And you
0: can float across the lake or something. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe that's its safety function. Sounds good. (laughs) Well, you just pull the cord a la, you know, jumping out of the plane. Oh, we'll just have to get one and see. Yeah, we'll have to get one and see. That would be really cool. Great. Okay, now. Next. Something something that's not really great. I'm just going to... If I could fit a soapbox in here, I would, and I'd stand up on it proudly. Yeah. Because I'm going to say most of Monterey Car Week, which has just finished off during the last week, is everything that's wrong... With the top end of the car collecting hobby slash investment thing, change my mind. <laughs> okay, um, I'm putting I'm putting it out there because <laughs> the Quail, yeah, a motorsports gathering, uh, is just a massive wankathon. You know, with people dressed up to the nigh.t Put it this way, okay? So, a Ferrari, a 1962 Ferrari 250 GTO sells for 48.4 million dollars and no one actually says WTF what what has just happened <laughs> yeah mm. this is a car everyone celebrates it and there are people in spiffy clothing and yep. big broad hats and blue blazers and blah 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 i just think it's a car what are you what are you doing yeah you go to somewhere like this year's goodwood revival and we ran a story that our own mitch tolk uh wrote where GTOs were actually racing. Yeah. So uh, Ferraris, Astons, Jags, AC Cobras, Maseratis, $353 million worth if you're counting. Yeah. But that was the grid for the Kinrara Trophy. And if you look at the video that we've got with our story, they're swapping paint. Yeah. And there's a mm. 250 short wheelbase that lunches the barriers, and yeah, you think, oh, that's expensive, but you also think, it's eh, this is a real race. Yeah, this is fantastic. Yeah. Now, that's a motorsports gathering, mm. whereas just strolling around with a glass of champagne and not really knowing what you're looking at mm. drives me nuts. Um, now, that said, Tom, you did mention before that there are some other events in the whole Monterey car week that that are a little more real. Mm. One of those, I would argue, is the Rolex Monterey, well, Rolex, there you go, Um, Monterey (laughs) Motorsports Reunion. Now, that looks to be a little more fed income. There's some racing goes on there, and there are some high-dollar cars that get out on the circuit. I'm not 100% sure what form the racing takes, Mm -hmm. Uh, but then you want to go to Exotics on Cannery Row, Mm. and look, I've found a picture of a guy with his phone and a hoodie. You know, he's got his hoodie on, yeah. he's got his shorts, he's looking pretty trashy, and everyone, Joe and Joanne Public, can just turn up and have a look at all these cars. It's much less uh, pretentious. So that's good, Yeah, but um, I just think the Pebble Beach Concours d'Elegance yeah. is horrible. <laughs> uh, you know, people turning up just because they turn up. Yeah. It's like this is where you have to go rather than... I really want to see these cars, Yeah, uh, just a place to be and be seen. And I think it is, like you say, it's a,
2: it's sort of a statement now to, yeah. to show, oh, I've got enough money to potentially buy one of these. It's, yeah, I know. Like, so it's, it's an age-old discussion, isn't it?
0: But I just think you can have a fancy car, good on you. If you use it as well, more power to yeah. you. But if you've bought it as an object and just an investment, get stuff. <laughs> I think... <laughs> like there's a little bit of a counterpoint on Concord. Yes, it's a
1: it does exemplify all of that, but then it it is also a rare opportunity to see some things that don't get seen. Um and one of those things uh, there was this article uh on Jalopnik about uh the uh Chinese presidential cars, the, the Hong Ki, Hong, Ki. Hong Ki limousines. They they brought yeah. two of them along uh to this event. And they look
2: amazing and, you know, how often would you ever get to see one yeah. of those ever?
0: And, oh, all right, Tom. And You're be, much more charitable than I am. And
2: beyond <laughs> that, we're seeing car manufacturers embracing these events as alternatives to motor shows, yeah, yeah. and bringing out new, iconic.
0: But which are the brands that are doing it? So yeah, you inf- want to talk in- Bugatti? You want to talk inf- Infinity? No, oh, well,
2: Infinity well, took know. something.
0: It's God. a it's a weird thing, but it's a thing. Yeah, okay. I suppose. I mean, there are the the high end brands are using it that way, and funnily enough, they do that at the Goodwood Festival of Speed as well. There yeah. are a lot of mainstream yeah. brands that get there, and that's because it's a much broader kind of spectrum of people yeah. that go to the Festival of Speed. Mate, Honda had something there. It was the
2: new NSX, SX. but it was what Honda. Oh, exactly. Anyway,
0: look, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Mm. Anyone who's been there, anyone who's experienced it, what were your thoughts? Pretentious? Not great. Otherwise, let us know. Join yeah. in the conversation.
2: Maybe we should try and start a, a GoFundMe so we can get James <laughs> to go and enjoy himself. Yeah. See if he can enjoy himself. He might have to include a suit in that. As so well. hold on, That's is it true. part of
1: the GoFundMe requirements <laughs> that if me. if James doesn't enjoy himself, do then uh, do people get a refund? Yeah, do people get a refund? Oh, nah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. Now, speaking of cars that uh, need to be driven, yes. The ones that we've been driving this week. Okay, over to you, Matt. What have you been... Beside the Honda? Beside the Honda. Yep. I have been in,
2: only briefly, the Mini Cooper S, the new five-door Mini Cooper S. Um, And I actually... My partner and I own a Mini Cooper five-door 2017 model. It's not the S because we don't need the S, and I don't think anyone needs the S, really. (laughs) Um, But the... The thing that got me right, I took it home, I parked it, about an hour later, Gemma got home in her car, she parked it. She's walked around the back of it, come inside and gone, oh, I don't really like that, and I like minis. All
0: right. How does it differ to the car that you own? Okay, so it's got
2: the new Union Jack taillights on the Cooper S, which are kind of cool, but also kind of twee. All right. Um, The new rear bumper with a integrated diffuser thing mm-hmm. and a rear spoiler and it looks too much. Okay.
0: I reckon it looks a little cheap. Well, a bit of that Union Jack stuff was always part of the customization option program, yeah. wasn't it? So if you're into that, go for it. Yeah. This sounds like it's take it or leave it. And there's, It's in the car. Yeah, yeah, so
2: in the Cooper S it's yep. in there and you don't get it in the Cooper so another reason to choose the three-cylinder which is excellent um, and also you get a like ambient lighting thing so in the Cooper S it's there's like a a dash display and it's a union jack which has like got some arty effect to it and there's lighting in there yeah. and because it's still trying to be silly mini you can change the colors using a little
0: dial up you the know top. where that belongs the quail oh. a <laughs> motorsports <laughs> gathering
2: i don't know if it'd make it i don't if, i don't think <laughs> it'd make the cut um it's no it looks like the sort of thing you might have seen a very junior designer come up with wow um, it just doesn't look right to me, and it's a shame because you know
0: Cooper S, good car, fun. You know, it's a big car. It's it, it struck me looking at it it's, in the car park. Just yeah. it's getting to be a big car now. Yeah,
1: it's kind of funny how like even compared to something like the Fiat Five Hundred, Mini is massive. It mm. is just generally they're as big a brand. cars. Yeah, it's like, just, just all, all
0: their cars are. Huge. That name does not apply. So Tom, yeah. yes, over to you, friend. What yeah,
1: is- so I've already talked about the. The Sportage, which is what I had uh, yep. last last week. I've just received the keys to a Skoda Karok, mm-hmm. and um, is it
2: Karok or is it Karok? Karok, Karoq?
1: Who knows? Who knows? It's just stop, <laughs> it's a silly name. Yeah, stop it's naming your cars silly right? stuff. It's just, yep, don't do it. Um, so, yeah, I, I, we were just having this conversation before in that getting out of one SUV, uh, the Sportage, having quite good suspension all round. It's got, you know, lots of rubber on it. So it was very compliant on the road. Felt great even even on... Tune, the, tune for Aussie conditions. Tune for Aussie conditions even feels great. But just getting into Volkswagen group stuff, the suspension is almost always magical. Mm. It just... It's the There's first thing you notice. Magical. Yeah.
0: Magical. Yeah, magical. <laughs> Magic seats. It, it is. It just it, <laughs> Magic windscreens. It
1: recovers well. It goes, you know, through the corners fantastically, even for an SUV. Um, and I think yeah. that's, you know, a little bit... A little bit of where your Euro money disappears. To you. you know, people say, oh, you know, European cars, yep. just everything's the same now. You don't really need to read too much into it. But that's one area, I think, where really you're getting some of that European yeah, money right. investment yeah, right. back. Right. We,
2: I went to the launch of the Karak, and the general consensus among the automotive media there was it felt like a golf to drive. Mm, it's just got yeah. a really plush, beautiful ride yeah. to it. But what did you think? i I thought it felt like a golf to drive. It had a really plush, beautiful ride. Um, on you, Matt. Yeah, no, Thanks it was towing the party line. Yeah, it was. No, it was really. It's it's a really impressive little SUV. And um, I reckon you're going to have a, a nice week with yeah. that. Nice gonna, weekend.
1: Yeah, I'm going to drive it up to uh, Gosford for a friend's birthday on yep. the weekend. So yep. that should get a bit of a thorough drive. Might mm-hmm. go down to the coast and yeah. So good. I think it'd be good. Nice. All right. What well, about for you, the Jesse? record,
0: I've been in a BMW M4 CS. Uh, which is uh, just under 200 grand's worth of two-door kind of power. Mm -hmm. Zero to 100, 4.1. It's 317 kilowatts, 550 newton metres, seven-speed dual clutch. Uh, But you get into it, and there are so many things that make it hard to live with. Mm. Matt, we were talking about it the other day. There are um, what's called recycled door cards made from this... Very herbal, peace, love, and mung beans kind of uh, material in the doors. But the angle of the armrest means you you can't put your arm on it. It's just too much of a slope. And they're tiny. They're tiny. Yeah, Um, little pad of Alcantara on them as if it's going to make your forearm stick or something. It doesn't work. Um, there's not a lot of storage because a lot's been taken out, yep. um, so there's no bin between the seats, there's no real oddments tray in the centre. You find yourself trying to stuff everything into the cup holders because there are no bins in the doors, the glove box is modest, Yeah. so it's not a real day-to-day proposition, yet BMW will tell you, oh, it's not a track-focused car, but it runs on like Michelin Cup 2s, yeah. like semi slick rubber, and... Um, I just don't know. I'm still formulating my thoughts about the car, I've got to say. Do they actually say that, that it's not a track-focused car? Uh, Yeah, they hint pretty strongly at that because they have other models of the M4 that are in the recent past that are much more about this is your track day proposition. So this one, I found myself just thinking, wow, if you feed the power in no matter how well, within bounds of reason, if you give it a, a pretty solid prod but squeeze it in, even then, it's wanting to kind of mm. squirm, and yeah. and it's not very well behaved. Mm. So, anyway, I'm gathering my thoughts, but it did put me in mind of another car that BMW Australia owns, which is their 2003 M3 CSL, um, which was unbelievable. So, that's Coupe Sport Lite. Yep. I've just had the Coupe Sport. Yep. Um, and it's in line Atmos 6 at about 8,000 revs or more. Uh, is something to experience. Absolutely yeah. fabulous. So this turbo engine's got all the fire and brimstone, lots of torque and whatever, but it doesn't quite sound uh, as you'd want it to. It's loud and guttural and whatever, but it doesn't have that refined howling scream yep. of inline BMW 6s of old um, that you kind of hanker for. So anyway, we'll we'll see. I'm, I've got mixed thoughts about that. Right. The moment. Yeah. I saw so a
1: bit of that all around, though, a little bit. Like yeah. even with the old uh, C63 AMG
0: with the big, 6.2 liter V eight. That
1: was an angry sound. Totally, oh, yeah. it, it sounded awesome. Our little
0: boy, when he was little, I took one home, a, a big coupe, and started up. He he went back about thirty centimeters. Like he <laughs> jumped into the air and was seriously unsettled by that car starting. I thought I'd. Heard him or something, he yeah. wasn't, he was just listening to it, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was an
1: incredible car, and as, in, as incredible as the newer ones that tw- the twin turbos are, uh, now that it's
0: not yeah. quite the same. Well, it, I think I'll touch on that in the story because having recently driven the new version or the latest version of the C63 uh, S, there are some direct kind of comparisons that yeah. you can make, so stay tuned. I think, it's, I think that's it, part of it too. to
2: me. It's sort of it's like power versus passion in a way yeah. like they've they've got to go for this turbocharged yeah. route it's it's power and it adds a lot more talk um but there's you don't get that passionate sound that no. you used to get any anymore it's like, a bit
0: like yeah is speed everything yeah uh, it opens yeah. up a broader conversation doesn't mm-hmm. it well it'll be a few free, uh, future podcasts yeah. because now <laughs> We've reached the finish line. Okay. So, uh, look, thank you, Matt. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. And thanks to our producer, Marsden, for his nimble finger work on the panel. There may be no end to his good taste. There also may be no beginning. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for listening, and please give us your thoughts on anything we've discussed today. Search for Cars Guide on Facebook and Instagram and use the hashtag CGPodcast or email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. You can listen to and watch us on YouTube. And if you're an iTunes devotee, please rate and review us. I hope you can join us next week. Until then, it'll soon be springtime. And I think I'll do the shocks as well.